Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for being the God of love. Thank you for being the God who knows us intimately. Lord, the one who came to earth, not because of us being wonderful or us being fantastic or us being so worthy, but because of your great love for us, because you are fantastic, because you are worthy, and because you made us. Lord, we come today as those who recognize that we are but nothing without you. And we come, Lord, as those who recognize the darkness of this world, even the darkness within us. We ask this morning that you would shine your light. Lord, shine your light into our lives and through us into the world. Lord, shine your light and awaken us to the goodness of who you are. Shine your light and awaken us to the truth of eternity. Shine your light, Father, and awaken us to all that you have in mind for us. Shine your light, Father, and awaken us to the presence of your Spirit. Shine your light, O Father, and awaken us, we pray, to Jesus Christ, to yourself. Father, shine your light. Open our eyes. Lord, for those who have come this morning, having had rather tough weeks, we pray for peace and release. Lord, you are the one who brings peace. And we, we pray that, that, not necessarily that circumstances would change, but that, that you would be all in all for those here today. For those who have had fantastic weeks, Father, I thank you for that. I pray that you would just bless him this morning with an awareness that you are the giver of all good things. And Father, as we turn now to look at your word, I pray that you would open it to us. Shine it into our hearts. Amen. I stumbled across a story by H.G. Wells this week. You know H.G. Wells, the time machine? Um, this is a short story called The Country of the Blind, or The Land of the Blind, something like that. Has anyone read that? It's about a little valley in Ecuador, in South America, um, a long time ago, and there was, it's not a true story, it's a made-up story, and there was a big cataclysm and earthquakes and whatnot, and basically this valley of, of the villages got closed off, and to high cliffs and nobody could escape, and then in that valley there developed a sickness where people started going blind, and eventually the children were born blind, and after a while, 14 or 15 generations, um, these people knew nothing except a blind existence. The whole community was a blind community. It's got wonderful descriptions of, of the sighted man seeing it and saying, boy, the person who decorated that house must have been blind. And then realizing actually they were, because it was gray and pink and muddy and just a mess to see. And, and yet the society was working, sort of. And as I, as I read this, I thought, this is so much like our world, that we live in a place of darkness where people are blind to the greater truths of who God is and what God has done. And it's become so entrenched within us that, that many people just assume that there can be nothing out there because 
well, we don't see anything. And maybe as the people in the story, we don't believe that seeing is anything more than a myth. Forget what you see. Seeing is a myth. God is a myth. The truth of Jesus is a myth. We live in a world of darkness. Psalm 139, recently become one of my my favorite psalms. Uh, Verses 11-12, the psalmist says, I could ask the darkness to hide me, and I could ask the light around me to become night. And I like it because of the next line. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. And I like that because it's just recognizing that though we live in a dark world, God's got incredible night vision. God can see us. And more than that, God can see us in our predicament and come down and enlighten us and bring us to a place of seeing. Luke chapter 1 speaks about what God does. Verse 78. This is Zechariah, John the Baptist's father. It's just the most amazing prophecy. Verse 78, he says, Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. The morning light. Up to this point, there has been only the darkness of the night. Up to this point, there has only been shadow. Up to this point, there have only been glimpses of maybe starlight as as God has done certain things in the world. But, But now, says Zechariah, now because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. This is what we are starting to look at this Christmas season, December the 2nd today. We are looking at the bright morning star. The invasion of light from heaven onto this earth of ours. The invasion of God's power against the forces of death, the the shadow of death. And, And so that because of this morning light, we can say with David, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because you are with me. Who is with me? The bright morning star. The one whose rod and staff comfort me. The great shepherd of the people. The light come to the world of darkness. And the light starts seemingly dim. But light's one of those things that you just can't hold back. When I was a kid... Do you ever have those glow-in-the-dark bouncy balls? you ever seen them? We used to play, my brothers and sisters and I, we'd close our corridor in the house so that it was pitch black, and we'd play with the bouncy balls. Now, if the corridor was closed, you could see nothing. You had a glow-in-the-dark bouncy ball, something like that big. You know glow-in-the-dark, they don't really glow. That was enough to see. Light starts as a little thing, and, and here... This Christmas day that starts, just a, a glimmer 
in Bethlehem. And then Jesus starts teaching. And people start turning to God. And people start believing in the message. And we come to to Mark chapter 8, where where Jesus says, who do people say I am? And, and, And Peter turns to him and says, you are Jesus. You are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. And the light is getting brighter and brighter. And, and, and Jesus sends the, the, the disciples out to tell the good news. And he comes back and he says, I saw Satan falling as you guys spread this good news. And the light's getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And Jesus keeps on teaching. And the dead are raised. And the blind see. And the deaf hear. And the, the, the injured are healed. And, and, and the, the light is just growing so bright. And surely it's the case that if you shine a light for people, they will start seeing. Can I have an amen? Shut up. (laughs) Yes, amen. And yet, our reading today is from the book of John, chapter 12. And it raises a question. This is right at the end of Jesus' public ministry. He's about to go into Jerusalem. He's about to be celebrate the Last Supper is about to be executed. And you'd think by this stage, after three years of Jesus shining this light into the world, everybody would have started believing, would have started seeing the truth of who God is. Surely. Let alone the 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, how many ever years that God has been walking with the people of Israel. Luke chapter 12, verse 30. Oops, John. I turned, to John. I turned to Luke and said John, didn't I? I was wondering why it didn't look right. John chapter 12, verse 37. Jesus has done all these signs. And despite all the miraculous signs Jesus had done, most of the people still did not believe him. All this light that has shone and most of the people still have their eyes screwed shut. This is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. Lord, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? But the people couldn't believe. For as Isaiah also said, the Lord has blinded their eyes, hardened their hearts so that their eyes cannot see, their hearts cannot understand, they cannot turn to me and have me heal them. And Isaiah was speaking of Jesus when he said this because he saw the future and spoke of the Messiah's glory. (coughs) Many people did believe in him, however, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. And Jesus shouted at the crowds, If you trust me, you are not trusting not only in me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world, so that all who will put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. I have come, I will not judge those who hear me but don't obey me, for I have come to save the world and not to judge it. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. 
and I know His commands lead to eternal life, so I say whatever the Father tells me to say. How come there weren't mass conversions at Christmas? How come Herod didn't bow down and worship when the light shone? How come they executed him? John 1, 5, another one of my favorite verses. John said right at the beginning of the gospel, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never overcome it or can never extinguish it. Was John wrong? Because it seems like people rejected Jesus. The darkness within them overcame the light that he was shining. How come? And how come today do we have loved ones and friends and neighbors who who hear the gospel and who reject it? Surely if Christmas is a story of light coming into the world, people should by now be seeing because the story's been told for how long? Isaiah. Isaiah was an interesting prophet. He was told by God to go and speak to the people of Israel. But as he spoke, God also said to him, by the way, it's just going to get worse. They're not going to listen to you. You have to speak to them. In fact, quite a few of the prophets had that mandate from God to speak regardless of the people's opposition. God said to Isaiah that his words would not be accepted, that the people would hear and not understand, and that they would see but fail to to comprehend. Does that mean that Isaiah the prophet failed in his mission? Of course not. God's mission to Isaiah was, go and tell my people and they will reject you. He succeeded in his mission. He told the people and they rejected him. And the same thing is true here in in John chapter 12. Jesus went and fulfilled the mission of God. He came and brought the light into the dark world. And many people rejected him. Why? Because they chose the darkness over the light. John 3, we looked at it just a few months ago, says that that everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. We like being in semi-darkness. I read somewhere, it says... Why do people like candlelit dinners? Because in the flickering of a candle, you don't look as bad. <laughs> well, there's probably a bit of truth to that. <laughs> the soft light, just a little bit of light, but not the harsh light. People need to choose to come into the light. And more often than not, we don't want to because... 
boy, if there was a light shone on my life, you guys would run away screaming like little girls. And I bet I would run away from you. And here we read, I believe in John chapter 12, of people who have chosen, chosen to reject the light. But Isaiah says to us over there, he says, the Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. What does that mean? I don't think we're talking here about God having predestined or predisposed or whatever language you want to use and, and, and said, you will not believe. I think in the context of, of what John says here, this is, this is people have said, we will not believe. And God said, fine, in that case you will not believe. You, will not, you, you choose not to believe? Fine, you won't. Remember what we saw in Romans chapter 1? where God hands over people to their sin. People choose to reject God, to deny the truth that is clearly evident to them, and God hands them over to their sin. And so what we have here in, in John chapter 12 is, is the, 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 the summary of what is happening here. we turn God's light away, eventually we will be denied the light completely. And ultimately this will be the case when Jesus comes back. And we will be cast out if we do not belong to Him and there will be not a glimmer of good news, of happiness or joy. Not a glimmer of Jesus. So when we find people who seem to have this hardened unbelief, it's, it doesn't mean that God's lost control. It doesn't mean that Jesus has failed. It doesn't mean that the Christmas story was a waste of space. It just means that, that God is as active in graciously shining light into the world as He is in judging those who reject the light. And the greatest mistake that a person can ever make is to see the light and then to reject it thinking that it is just impossible or too much or rubbish. Uh, Narnia, the magician's nephew. That wonderful book in the Narnia series where they find rings and they go into Narnia as the land of Narnia is being created. And one of the people that goes along there, sorry, I love Narnia. Everyone should read it at least 73 times in their life. Um, they take this wicked uncle into the land of Narnia almost by mistake. As Aslan, the great lion, uh, the Jesus figure in the Narnia stories, as he is starting to, to sing a song of creation and as things start forming. And this guy stands there, looks at the lion and says, it sounds like it's singing, but it cannot be singing. Therefore, it is not singing because lions don't sing. And eventually, <clears throat> he keeps convincing himself till all that he hears is roars and snarls. 
which is what we've got here in John chapter 12, people who see the light and close their eyes so tightly to the light so that eventually there is no light for them. As good as. And isn't it a sad word? It says most of the people still did not believe in Him. But! Good word as well. Verse 42, Many people, however, did believe in Him. You know, when the light shines and we recognize it, there is nothing you can do about it. I've got horrible blinds in my bedroom. More often than not, I'm woken in the morning by the light streaming in onto my bed. And once I've seen the light, I am awake. Sometimes I lie there going, I'm not going to open my eyes because I know as soon as I open my eyes, I'm going to wake up. By which stage I'm probably already awake. But, but when I see the light, it's difficult to go back to sleep. Almost impossible. John eight twelve, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Those who believe in Jesus are believing in God. And it's not just about believing. It's about putting that into practice. I have come as light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. I will not judge those who hear me but don't obey me for I've come to save the world and not to judge it. See, when light shines, there's a choice we've got to make. We can either open our eyes and live in the light or we can keep our eyes closed and keep trying to sleep. Jesus says, I've come to bring light into the world. and That light is the life of all men. But there is a group who will be judged, and it's those who hear and don't obey. Those who see the light and close their eyes. Those who recognize Jesus and then ignore him and keep trying to sleep. Jesus didn't come into the world to judge the world. It's what he says there. Some of you are probably thinking, oh, yes, he did. No, Jesus said he didn't come into the world to judge the world. Not the first time. What we celebrated at Christmas is the, the first coming of Jesus. Not to judge, but to bring the light and to bring the offer of life for all. And now is the time for a choice. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now is the time for choice because there is coming a time when those who hear and do not obey, those who see and do not comprehend, will be judged. Will be judged ultimately by Jesus as He returns, but but judged according to what? According to whether they have listened and obeyed to the word of Jesus. You see what Jesus says there? 
I will not judge those who hear me but don't obey me, for I've come to save the world and not to judge it. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. The very words that Jesus spoke, the words of life and light, will be the words of judgment. Ultimately, whether we stand or fall, whether we get into heaven, whether we get to be with God, stands on how we have responded to Jesus and His words. The cartoon on the back of your bulletin won't work. Jesus didn't come to judge the world, but you know how it is when you switch on a light? And if I shine a light on this chair, this chair, you'll see it. But you'll also see an incredible shadow behind it. That's what light does. It has the effect of, of highlighting things, but also of, of showing the depth of the shadows. Many still doubt that Jesus is the light. Maybe because there's a little bit of fear that maybe He is. and Maybe there will be a time when we will be judged according to, to what He has said. Rejecting Jesus means choosing to stay in the dark. It's so sad because what is being rejected is the offer of eternal life. See what Jesus says there? I say only what and how the Father tells me to say, and I know that the Father's words bring eternal life. This is what I'm saying. These, these words that, that some people choose to reject, that's not, that's not nasty words. It's not words of anger. It's not words of wrath. It's, it's, it's words of eternal life, and, and you would turn that down? says Jesus. The promises of God are for those who believe, but for those who choose to reject Him, the darkness in their hearts stays there, and the first half of our reading is true, it gets darker. The hard hearts get harder. And yet God has left so many invitations for us to come out of the darkness. He sent His own Son to shine a light into the darkness. He gave us His Word. And as the psalmist say, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Why? Because it's all about Jesus who is the light of the world. The bright morning star. This week, uh, if you're doing the readings, you would have read um, 2 Corinthians. Ah, 2 Corinthians. 2 Peter. And let me see. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter's speaking about why we should pay attention to Scripture, why we should pay attention to, to the words of the prophets, ultimately why we should pay attention to the message of Jesus. Listen to what he says here. He says, We saw Jesus' glory as, he descended, as uh, God spoke to him on the mountain. This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. 
Because of that experience, says Peter, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ, the morning star, shines in your hearts. The light shines. The invitation is there. The question is, will we respond? And will we shine that light out? I want to play you a video of the invitation.
light shone and grew brighter and grew brighter and grew brighter. And then the light died. And darkness covered the face of the earth. From midday to three o'clock in the afternoon. And his body was placed in a dark tomb, sealed with a rock, so light could not come in. And he knew this would happen, and he said to his friends, this is going to happen, and I want you to remember me until the day I come. Because the darkness cannot overcome the light. Because an earthquake shook. And there was angels there shining. <laughs> and there was Jesus risen. And the light started shining all the brighter. Never more to go out again. And so as we celebrate communion, we celebrate the fact that light came into the world. We celebrate the fact that light seemingly was snuffed out. But most of all, we celebrate that the light cannot be extinguished by this world. light of the world. you receive your cup, if you could just hold it. Jim's going to sing us a, a couple of verses of a, of a communion song. Thank you, Jim.
When you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. My light, said Jesus, will shine for only a little longer. Speaking of his death. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. And then you will become children of the light. Amen. Father, thank you that you are the light of the world. Thank you that you shone into this darkness, that you sent your Son. Lord, we come again as those who wish to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We want to see in the light, Father. We're tired of stumbling in the dark. Lord, we thank you. Thank you that your light shines. And though there is still darkness within us, you are busy shining ever deeper into us. Lord, thank you that you do this for those who love you. And as we celebrate your death and your coming back again, Lord, we do this not as those who are perfect, but as those who, who just want to be in the light like you and to know the Father which is to know you, which is to have eternal life. Father, shine through us this week, I pray. Shine in us. As Zechariah promised, lead us into the paths of peace. Amen.